What's up and welcome to Ask Father Josh's podcast where I get to listen to your questions, pray with them, and hopefully respond in such a way that it's helpful for you to become a saint in your walk toward eternity. Here's how the show goes. You hit me up with three to five questions per episode dealing with anything and everything from morality to spirituality, evangelization, catechesis, discipleship, and the list will go on. I will then spend time with your questions. I will pray with them. Uh, I will study and then hopefully respond in such a way that is good for you to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. However, my disclaimer is this. I'm not perfect. I'm not infallible. And therefore, every now and then, my advice that I share with you might not actually be good for you. If that's the case, then I really want to encourage you to reject whatever it is that I say that does not help you to grow in discipleship. However, if my advice is helpful, though difficult, then I want to give you um, the encouragement to lean into Jesus Christ so that our God can give you the graces that you may need to fulfill the demands of discipleship. Uh, if you are a first-time listener, you can uh, send me your questions, your comments, and, and your critiques um, through our website, www.ascensionpress.com slash askfatherjosh. That's ascensionpress.com slash askfatherjosh. You spell out the word ask, A-S-K, spell out the word father, F-A-T-H-E-R, and spell out the word josh, J-O-S. H. Um, as you submit your questions, you can also uh, send your comments and your critiques. Uh, on our website, we have a new form of submitting the questions that helps us to better organize them so that I can uh, more efficiently get back to you uh, in a way that might be helpful for you to grow in holiness. You can also uh, rate and review us on iTunes and other podcast formats. This helps other people to find out about the show. And finally, you can share us on your social media pages. Again, this will help other people to find out about the show. If it's a gift for you, potentially, it can become a gift for other people as well. Uh, again, the, the show airs every Thursday now, no longer on Tuesdays. That's when it's dropped every single week. You can stay in touch with me through my books, Broken and Blessed, and Pocket Guide to Adoration on the Ascension Press website. And finally, if you want to worship God with me at the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass, you can join me every Sunday at 7 o'clock a.m. Central Time. 8 o'clock a.m. Eastern Standard Time uh, at Our Lady of the Holy Rosary Catholic Church in Santa Maria, Louisiana on the Ascension Facebook page. On today's show, we are going to talk about apostolic succession. We're going to talk about end time prophecies, and we are going to talk about novenas. But before we begin to those topics, I want to share with you a glory story. All right, so my glory story this week uh, is about man, prayer. Just God is so, so generous. Uh, there's a spiritual warfare. There's a spiritual battle going on around us. And I think sometimes we're a lot more aware of it than other times. Uh, but in this season of my, my priesthood, the Lord has brought me back to a practice I learned many years ago at the Lord's Ranch, which is to execute scripture, to execute the word of God and for every Every attack that we go through, there's a scripture that we can proclaim where God will fight our battles for us. In Exodus 14, 14, God told Moses, I will fight for you. And whenever Jesus Christ was in the desert praying and fasting and Satan came to tempt him with suggestions, Jesus Christ proclaimed, it is written, 
And he proclaimed the word of God. He proclaimed the sacred scriptures over and over and over again. And Satan fell away. And so in this season of my life and my priesthood and my relationship with the Lord, I, I have been able, I've been drawn, I guess, by the Holy Spirit to more readily go to the word of God when I perceive a suggestion from Satan. Say I'm having a conversation with somebody and I might be offended by what they say instead of like brooding about what they said or instead of like thinking about it more than I should or assuming the worst, I immediately go to the word of God. And I begin to proclaim it over and over again, sometimes out loud, vocally, sometimes in my mind. And the more I spend fixing my eyes on what the word of God says, what he has written, the quicker the attack goes away. And I'm filled with this peace. And it's just been something that's been happening over and over and over again, whether it's through any kind of suggestion I perceive from Satan, any kind of lie, any kind of temptation, any kind of discouragement, um, any distraction. It's been a huge gift that the word of God, this living word, has just been so readily available to my heart and my mind. And uh, yeah, and so I would encourage you to do the same. If, if you are perceiving a suggestion from the enemy then before you entertain it, just begin to proclaim the word, proclaim the word of God over and over and over again until the temptation leaves. So that's my glorious story is the gift of sacred scripture. We got some feedback in today from live, live, you only live once. I want you to live forever uh, underneath the sky's so blue, uh, I want you to live forever. Uh. So live right this in one of your episodes, you mentioned the importance of knowing scripture above knowing the details in the works of the saints or other secondary texts. That's actually, I'm grateful you bring this up, Liv, because I'm going to bring that up again today. But back to you, Liv, and I really took to heart because it weighs on me that I don't actually know the Bible very well. I joined a Bible study with my parish and we've been diving into the Old Testament. And oh man, my heart is on fire. Your heart is on fire. Your heart is on fire. For the Lord. Now, seriously, reading the OT is making me realize how incredible Jesus is. And I'm drawing so many connections and observations between scripture and Catholic tradition. Thanks again for that nudge in the right direction. God bless. Live a praise God. Live. You know, the word of God is the, the, the greatest book. And, and so, yeah, we need to prioritize the word of God because it's infallible over the greatest writings of the saints. As good as St. Thomas Aquinas and St. Francis de Sales and, and St. Benedict and, and so many other saints are, and their writings can be helpful, their writings are not infallible. Their writings are not infallible. And so uh, the word of God is. And so we need to prioritize God's voice, his clear voice, over every other voice. Um, though they have their places, all these other voices, these other saints, they should not be the primary voice. Primacy belongs to the Word of God. So, speaking of the Word of God, let's get into today's show. All 
right. First question comes in from Anonymous about end of time prophecies. Dear Father Josh, I have some controversial questions that no amount of my research will ever clarify. So I turn to my favorite podcast for answers. Thank you for continuing to answer our questions and faithfully guiding us pilgrims as we trudge our way to eternity, becoming saints. One of my questions is this. What are your thoughts or the Vatican's thoughts regarding Father Michel Rodrigue's messages? It's either Michael or Michel. I forgot how he says the name. Uh, messages of the supernatural battles between angels and demons and his end of time prophecies. Uh, anonymous. That's a, that's a great question. I know, especially during the coronavirus, uh, well, I mean, this, the coronavirus thing is still happening, but whenever like the shutdown was going on and everybody was quarantined and not able to leave their homes and go to work and go out, um, this priest, Father Michel or, or Michael Rodrigue, um, he became very popular um, in many circles and, and specifically because he was preaching about the end times. And so a lot of people um, came back to confession, which is beautiful. And other people um, began to live in fear, which is not so beautiful. And so what do I think about his message about the battle between angels and demons and the end of time prophecies? Well, let's start with the word of God. Let's, let's always reorient our attention to the voice of God. Like You don't need to hear my voice. My voice can be wrong. Let's go to Jesus first and foremost. So the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 7, verse 21 through 23, we read this from Jesus. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, O Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not drive out demons in your name? Did we not do mighty deeds in your name? Then I will declare to them solemnly, I never knew you. Depart from me, you evil doers. Notice the people that Jesus says would come to him are people who did exorcisms and performed these awesome signs and, and wonders. However, they were not faithful to his general will to abide in the Ten Commandments, to, to love God and to love neighbor. So what does he say to them? I never knew you away from me you evil doers so um, i think if our if our ordinary way of discerning the actions of god are going to be sought out through extraordinary means such as the visions or locutions or mystical signs and wonders uh, of other people if that's our ordinary path that we're following is those people who claim to be mystics and seers and visions and locution um, people, then I think that we are going to dispose ourselves to the diabolical actions of Satan. We will be confused by Satan if that's the primary way that we're trying to grow in our relationship with God. This is why so many of the like mystical doctors of the church teach us to be wary be weary of people who claim to be seers or are visionaries. We need to be cautious. We need to be cautious. Satan can appear to be an angel of light all day long. So when Father Michel or Father Michael says that there's a spiritual battle going on between good angels and demons, he ain't lying. There is a, a supernatural warfare is happening. We can't see it quite often, but they are fighting. The demons are tempting us. They're suggesting that we 
We believe their suggestions and delight in their suggestions and consent to their suggestions. And the good angels are constantly praying for us and interceding for us and fighting with us in force in this, in this battle. But the thing about Satan is Satan can appear to be an angel of light. He can mimic extraordinary activity all day long. Right? He can, if you look at, look at possessions of people whenever people are, are possessed by demons, what do they do? They speak in different tongues. They speak in different languages that they don't know. That's supernatural. They have strength. They have this powerful, extraordinary strength. They can lift up a car. That's supernatural. They levitate sometimes. They fly when they're possessed. That is supernatural. Satan can imitate and he can mimic extraordinary stuff all the day long. However, notice what Satan cannot do. He cannot mimic obedience to the divine will. He cannot mimic obedience to the Ten Commandments, to the greatest of the commandments, to love God. As St. Thomas Aquinas defines love as the willing the good of the other, to love God and neighbor. He cannot, he cannot mimic or imitate a life devoted to humility and the sacramental life of the church. He can't do that. So the reason why the Lord permits some disciples of Jesus Christ to experience beautiful, extraordinary visions or locutions or apparitions is typically to draw that person and their surrounding community back into relationship with God through the ordinary means of maturing in our relationship with Jesus. Scripture, sacraments, and service of the poorest of the poor because probably Scripture is not being prioritized in our lives. The sacraments are not being prioritized in our lives. In service to Jesus Christ and the poorest of the poor, the most vulnerable among us, is not being prioritized in our lives. And so these extraordinary means are bridge to the ordinary path to growing in our relationship with God. So what's the ordinary path? Holy scriptures. Holy scriptures. We got to prioritize reading them, meditating on them, contemplating them, sitting with them. And more than we breathe, we need to be in relationship with God's voice, with God's word, and not prioritize blogs and books and writings on spirituality and mysticism over the word of God. Those blogs and those books and those writings on spirituality certainly have their place, but they should not be read and meditated and contemplated more than that which is the inspired, infallible word of God, the sacred scriptures. St. John Chrysostom, he said that every cause of discord in the church comes from ignorance of scripture. Ignorance of scripture. St. Jerome says ignorance of scripture is ignorance of Christ. We were created as the catechism tells us to know and to love and to serve God. We cannot know God if we do not know God's voice. And we know God's voice through our time that we spend listening to God's voice in the word of God. It's a terrible flaw in discipleship to be more interested in, in reading and pondering and praying with, with books on spirituality or mysticism more than the word of God. Again, notice what I'm not saying. Sometimes I talk and people 
misinterpret what I'm saying. They say, well, we can't believe you don't like the mystics. I love the mystics. Padre Pio is one of my favorite saints. I was ordained a deacon on his birthday, May 25th. I love the mystics. I love Mother Teresa. I love St. Teresa of Avila. I love um, all the, like, Maria Faustina. Like, I love them all. They have a great place in my heart and in my life and in my devotions. But they do not ever trump the word of God, the sacred scripture. Scripture should be our primary love, our first love. So what does this mean then? With all that being said, what do I think about Father Michel Rodrigue, Father Michael Rodrigue? I, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm saying his name correct, and I apologize, Father. Um, I think he's a joyful priest. I've watched his videos during the quarantine. I also watched some of his videos. I'm aware of what he said. I'm aware of some of his stuff. I think that he seems like a very happy, joyful priest who loves Jesus very much and who loves our Blessed Mother. And so I praise God for that, and I rejoice, I rejoice in God for that. I think that there's some supernatural fruit coming from his ministry because some people um, came back to the church because of his ministry. They came back to the sacraments because of his ministry. So praise God for that. I've also seen some people um, live in fear because of what they've witnessed him say in some of his videos, which that's not necessarily a good thing. Um, I, I think that as far as what does the Vatican think about him, I don't know what the Vatican thinks about him. I know what his bishops have said about him. And so some of his bishops in Canada have come out and said that he um, is a retired priest. Um, he's retired from active diocesan priesthood. Uh, he's renounced his pastoral responsibilities uh, for the three parishes that were entrusted to him. A bishop Robert Bergen, uh, I think that's how you say his name, of Ontario, the, the diocese where he was ordained, has refuted Father Michel's claims to be an official exorcist of the church. So I guess at some point, Father Rodrigue said that he was an exorcist, um, official exorcist of the church. His bishop does not agree with that. Um, his current bishop, I think his name is Giles, I could be wrong on that, Limay uh, in Quebec, uh, he noticed that a website with Father's prophecies claimed that he had received the full support of his bishop and that all of his visions were submitted to his local ordinary for approval, uh, which according to Bishop LeMay was not true. The bishop said he never approved of this priest, Father Rodri's prophecies, and he asked that the statement be removed from the website uh, that reported this statement. It was not true. So with that being said, I don't work for the congregation of doctrine of faith and all the other stuff when it comes to alleged mystics. And I say alleged because, I mean, he could be legit. Maybe he's not. Like, I don't put my faith, I don't put my trust in, in people. I put it in Jesus Christ. I put it in the Eucharist, <laughs> put it in the word of God. Uh, so when it comes to alleged mystics, I don't deny that they may really love the Lord. I don't deny that they might really be rooted in a lot of time of prayer and fasting. Um, and I don't deny that they might even become canonized saints. But if they become a canonized saint, it's not because they were a mystic or because they had locutions or because they were visionaries or seers. If someone becomes a saint, it's because they persevere in their relationship with Jesus and they they abided in God on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, the 12 apostles, 11 of whom are, are canonized saints, the original apostles, Judas is the one that's not, but they all saw the face of God. They saw Jesus. They all heard Jesus speak. No one denies that. They listened to the Lord. However, even though they saw him and they spent time with him every day and they listened to him, they still quite often misinterpreted what Jesus was saying and misunderstood Jesus. Read the Bible over and over again in the New Testament. They misunderstood him. They misinterpreted him. He says that Lazarus was asleep. They're like, well, just go wake him up. He's like, nah, y'all don't get it. He's dead. They, they heard him speak, but they did not understand what he was saying. They heard him speak and say that what if John remains until the end of time? And they're like, oh, maybe John's never going to die. That's not what he meant. 
John did die. Saint John, the beloved disciple, did die. They they totally they heard the Lord's song, but they misunderstood him. So it's possible for someone to have an apparition of Jesus, our, our blessed Mother Mary, to have a locution to hear the voice of God in prayer, um, and still misinterpret and misunderstand what God is communicating to them through apparitions, through saints, or through Jesus, or through angels. It's still possible because we are broken, fallen um, human beings. We aren't always going to be able to perceive exactly what God is trying to communicate to us. So maybe Father Rodrigue has had these visions, but maybe, just maybe, he's also misinterpreted a few of them as well because he's not infallible. He's not sitting on the chair of Peter. Um, so uh, anyways, with that being said, I, I think that we can look at one of the saints who was a mystic, St. Catherine Library, and we can look at what was said about her. Pope Benedict, when talking about her mistaken predictions, he said this, the revelations of some holy women canonized by the apostolic see whose sayings and writings came in mystical rapture and were derived from rapture are filled with, get this, errors. Filled with errors. They were erroneous. So did she have mystical raptures? Yes. However, because she's a fallen, broken human being, she misinterpreted them. And when she talked to other people about them, she said things that weren't good and true and beautiful, yet she still loved Jesus. She still desired to abide in Jesus, and therefore she is a saint in Jesus. So I think that this priest, Father Rodri, could be a saint um, one day. Like, I believe you could be a saint, anonymous. But I believe that more than we look at his writings and his videos and his blogs and other people's writings and blogs and videos, we should prioritize the word of God because none of us will know the day or the time or the hour um, whenever the Lord comes again. And so let's prioritize scripture, and sacraments, and service above all else. Speaking of prayer, let's go ahead and tackle one more question before our break. What about praying novenas? RJ writes this, Father Josh, love your show and all you do. Your great ministry is noticed by many. Keep it up. My question is about novenas. Are they a good idea? I hear a lot of stories from friends about novenas they prayed or the answers to them. I don't want to doubt the legitimacy of any of them, but some of them seem very forced. Additionally, oftentimes it can seem as though the person is putting God or the saints into a box and forcing them to answer their question, more or less. It also seems superstitious. Superstitious. What are your thoughts? Thanks in advance, RJ. So, RJ, I would say simply, um, I used to pray novenas a lot when I first had my conversion my reversion back to Jesus in the sacraments life of the church. In 2004, I was introduced to St. Therese of the Sioux, the little flower, and I began to pray nine-day novenas. My mama prays novenas all the time still. She's great at that. I'm terrible. So in the beginning, I was able to pray them, but now I like, <laughs> I very rarely can complete a novena. Uh, novenas are prayers you pray nine days in a row asking for a specific grace. Uh, and uh, and so, yeah, I, I get like five days in and look, I, uh, I have enough time keeping up with my daily holy hour, liturgy of the hours, daily rosary, holy sacrifice of the mass. And so uh, <laughs> when I add other things to my my life, like novenas, I sometimes finish them. Like in the past couple of years, maybe I did like, I've completed three novenas in the past two years, maybe. And outside of that, I start them and I don't finish them. So they don't work for me as far as help me to grow closer to God and his church. But we discern prayer by the supernatural fruit. Am I growing in virtue? Am I growing in holiness? Am I growing in relationship with Jesus Christ when I practice this devotional? 
if I'm praying the Divine Mercy Chaplet and I find that I'm growing in my relationship with God, then, then stick with the Divine Mercy Chaplet. If I'm if I'm not growing, then this is not the season for me to pray the Divine Mercy Chaplet. Maybe that might come in a couple of years. Maybe it won't. If praying novenas is a path for me to abide in relationship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, then recite your novenas. If it's not, then don't do it. If listening to Gregorian chant, our praise and worship music, our gospel music helps you to grow in relationship with God, love of God, and love of neighbor, then stick with it. If it doesn't, then get rid of it for this time being, for this season of your life. So we do that which helps us to abide in relationship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, to put on the mind of Christ, to fill the heart of of Christ and to act with the body of Christ. So, um, yeah, can someone treat any prayer like in a superstitious way? Certainly, we can all abuse uh, the gifts that God has given us, but it's uh, it just we discern it by its fruits in our lives and the lives of our community. If if you find that they're helpful for you, then stick with them. If you find that they're not helpful, that you're falling into old vices again, then drop it like it's hot. The, the, that particular form of prayer. Uh, drop it like it's hot. Like, so if you're holding something that's hot, you just drop it because it's hot. It's not, it ain't working for you. Drop it like it's hot. So uh, that's going to be my answer for that. Uh, let me know what you think. Give me your comments, critiques, and more questions by going to ascensionpress.com slash Josh. Now let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to dive into our final question about apostolic succession. Imagine this. You're walking down the street and a Christian at a table with a bunch of pamphlets asked you, have you been saved? What would you do? Would you know how to respond? Hi, I'm Dr. Andrew Swafford, and I'm co-presenter along with Jeff Cavins in Ascension's new great adventure Bible study, Romans, the Gospel of Salvation. In this study, we teach you the biblical foundations for the Catholic teaching on salvation, how to explain salvation quickly and easily to non-Christians, what St. Paul really meant by works not leading to salvation, and how we can enter more deeply into Christ. Paul's letter to the Romans has been at the center of reflection, conversion, and controversy from the very beginning, and it's widely considered his greatest work. I invite you to start a small group in your home or parish and embark on this great adventure. Romans, the Gospel of Salvation is available for pre-order right now and for purchase on September 1st, 2019. To order, visit ascensionpress.com. And we're back. Don't forget you can rate us and review us on iTunes and other podcast formats. And you can also share us on your social media pages. This helps other people to find out about the show. If it's a gift for you, maybe it could be a gift for them as well. Last question comes in again from Anonymous. And this is about apostolic succession. Hey, Father Josh, where is apostolic succession mentioned or, or implied in the Bible? And how does the process work? So let's talk about the process, then let's go into the biblical implications of the process. So apostolic succession um, is that line of bishops that goes back from today all the way to the apostles. Um, so uh, in America, North America, South America, Asia, Africa, Europe, India, like all over, uh, Catholic bishops are a part of a lineage that literally goes back. Back in the day to the apostles, hey, hey, yo, when they used to work and pray with Jesus Christ, when they used to work and pray with Jesus Christ all day. So it goes all the way back to the, the time of the apostles of Jesus Christ to the original 12. Um, and that's actually something that um, our Protestant brothers and sisters cannot have a claim to. Um, uh, many of them don't even have bishops in their uh, ecclesial communities. Uh, so our bishops literally had a bishop who had 
who, who laid hands on him, who had another bishop lay hands on him, who had another bishop lay hands on him, literally going back all the way to the apostles, an unbroken line of succession. So in the New T, St. Paul, uh, he told Timothy this in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. What you heard, have heard from me before many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also, right? So notice who he's referring to. He's referring to three generations of apostolic succession, his own, Timothy's, and those who have come after Timothy. St. Paul and the other apostles, they passed on the office of shepherd of church, right? So the function of a bishop is to teach the gospel and the shepherd, uh, the church. Um, so this was intended by our Savior, Jesus, and it was given to the original apostles and passed on to all the bishops who would succeed them. St. Paul is literally telling Timothy to transmit teaching that he gave him, but he's also saying that this teaching ought to be given to men who are faithful. It is committed to faithful men. So what's important is not only the teaching that is being passed down, but the men. They're both important here. Another text from the Word of God that kind of gives us an insight into how apostolic succession works is in the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 1, verse 15 through 26. In this section of the Word of God, we read about the election of Matthias as Judas's successor. Read it carefully. And notice there was an apostolic college that had to be passed on through ordination. The whole point of this was that there was a position that had been vacated by Judas. Then we go to another passage in the Word of God, Titus chapter 1, verse 5. And in this passage, we read St. Paul informing Timothy and Titus that they were to ordain other men as presbyters, which means like priests and bishops, right? really bishops and priests sharing the bishop's priesthood. Um, this reveals that the office of bishop was intended by the Holy Spirit to continue after the original 12, after the original apostles. But we don't only have scripture, as always we have the witness of the early church. Saint Irenaeus wrote this in the year 189. Right? So like, it's really important. Like This is especially like when we are walking with people who are interested in learning more about the church. It's really important to not just rely on scripture, the word of God that is written, but to also um, to lean into the word of God that was transmitted orally tradition um, and, to, and to look at the witness of the early church disciples who literally were like the direct descendants of the apostles, like not descendants, they were descendants, is that the right word? Descendant, not like descendants, like my blood descendants, but like I'll say they were in the direct lineage or, or whatever. So this is where language is really important and I'm totally butchering language right now. My bad, Jesus. But anyways, St. Irenaeus in the year 189 said this. So like, who am I going to listen to? A pastor from the year 1950 or a pastor from the year 189? Who's probably more in line with Jesus and the church? Probably the one who was closest to the time of Jesus and the early disciples. This is what he says. It's possible for everyone in every church who may wish to know the truth. We're called to know it. To contemplate the tradition, tradition, 
very important word there, of the apostles, which has been made known to us throughout the whole world. And we are in a position to enumerate those who are instituted bishops by the apostles and their successors down to our own times, men who neither knew nor taught anything like what these heretics rave about. This was in his document against heresies in the year 189. So we have the witness not only of the word of God and big T tradition, oral tradition that's been passed down, but we have the witness of history, history. To know history is to become Catholic. (laughs) So that is the show for today. Let's go ahead and pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord, I ask that you give all of us the grace to cling to you, to desire intimacy with you in your word, in your sacraments, in service of the poorest of the poor, those who are disenfranchised in our society, those who are most vulnerable among us. God, give us the grace to prioritize service to our brothers and sisters who are in need, to prioritize the sacraments, baptism, reconciliation, Eucharist, to prioritize sacred scripture, morning, noon, day and night, and our walk toward eternity. We ask this prayer, Heavenly Father, through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Our Lady of Cabejo, pray for us. I shall, God bless you, and I cannot wait to keep walking with you toward eternity. I will see you next week. And if you want to worship God with me, then join us at Ascension Press Facebook page, 7 o'clock a.m. Central Time, 8 o'clock a.m. Eastern Time, uh, this upcoming weekend at Holy Rosary Catholic Church in Santa Maria, Louisiana, Diocese of Baton Rouge. Pray for me, pray for my seminarians, pray for vocations that are healthy and holy, and keep each other in prayer as well so that we can abide in relationship with God on earth as it is in heaven. 